Welcome to Brands Made Meaningful, conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Tucker, we're back for episode 29. Yeah, 29. We are talking about should a brand listen or lead? This is an interesting conversation because it's not something our clients ask us about, but it's that underlying problem that comes out when people just don't even think about it. Um, I know back in episode 26, we talked about what makes something authentic. We pointed out that it starts with yourself. It starts, that's how we do all of our branding processes from the inside out. And we do that a lot. But today's conversation is really looking externally and saying, should our brand listen to our customers or should it lead our customers to a place that they don't even know they want to be yet? I was at a, a networking event recently. And like every networking event, when you meet somebody new, they say, uh, what do you do? Or tell me about your company. And I know that that's a thing that we solve for our customers. And that's a thing that we we talk about this all the time. You know, Call it an elevator speech or a value proposition. But answering the what you do, you can always tell either when you don't do a good job of saying what you do or if what you do has no interest whatsoever to the person you're talking with, that conversation usually ends really yeah. quick or and they if, just they move on. Or if you took too long to say what you do. Exactly. Got real long and real complex with it. So we spend a lot of time figuring out how to say what we do. But if we're not paying attention to the people that we're talking to, yeah, and if what we do isn't something they want, or if yeah. who we are, they don't care about that, there's a miss here then. There's also the blinders that get put on when you're doing stuff day to day. If you're in charge of communications, if you're in charge of the organization as a whole, it's easy to get distracted by all the day to day things and not sit back and go, what are we doing? Are we listening to the people that we need to be talking to? What are they saying to us? I think branding can be a really great conversation between people to say, what do you need? What can we offer? And all these other things. But really today, we're going to get into this idea of, is it better to listen? Is it better to lead? You probably need a little bit of both. How do we know when we're doing one more than the other? And how can we kind of start solving this problem? Well, you framed it up really nicely. I think Calling this a conversation is a really nice way of thinking about this. We've been working with companies lately that are without even realizing it, because like you said, they're so focused in their own day-to-day -day or they're distracted. They're either way too focused on what they think without taking the time to find out what their customers want, or they're so hyper-focused on their customers that they kind of lose them themselves and what, what they want. Absolutely. The and there's natural reactions too. Like if I just go back into you and I right now, um, we have different tendencies when we work with clients. Do we, uh, you tend to listen to clients more than I do. I tend to lead clients more than you do. You, It's just the general belief of like, well, I might think they don't know currently what they want yet because they haven't seen what they want. And I'm, I would like to show them like, hey, what about this option? This could be something that you want that you don't even know yet. Whereas you do a great job of asking like, so what do you want? Tell me exactly what you want and I can give you what that is. It, it's really a difference in the way that you kind of carry yourself too. So if you think about the way a brand carries itself, you can put that into context a little bit and say, well, does your brand listen more or does it lead more? Not that you can only do one or the other, 
But I think that's the way I would start thinking about this conversation. Love it. So what's more important, what they think or what you think? Yeah, and we'll get to that a little bit. But where, where I want to start is why all this matters. Why do we do this? Kind of go back to our strategic framework a little bit to dive into like, so how do we even start analyzing these things to understand if we're doing right or wrong? And if people who've been listening for a while, other episodes, we've talked about this a lot, but we found that most successful brands have a really good balance of authenticity, relevance, and surprise. If we put that into context a little bit, if it's to say our organization takes our customers and it's really about what they want, we take what they want into consideration, then we're really being relevant to them. And if we don't do that, we're risking being irrelevant to them. If we do exactly what our customers expect every single time, then we're risking being unsurprising or we're lacking delight. We're not gonna, they're not gonna turn the corner and be like, oh my God, I didn't even see that coming. That's amazing. And that can sometimes really ruin a brand. And then the last one is if we're not clear of who we are and what we believe and what we want out of every situation, then we're really risking being unauthentic to ourselves or that authenticity doesn't feel right or something can feel off when you're doing internal things or even external things. The customer can kind of smell unauthentic stuff from a mile away. So we get into those things in other conversations, but really this conversation is around the balance. Like in what ways can we balance those things so that it's not an issue and we're utilizing the key aspects of each to try to really delight people give them exactly what they want and make them feel like we're in it for the right reasons. You made a great point that we need to listen, but we can't let them necessarily decide all of it. What I mean is, well, first of all, if they knew what the issue was, if they understood what their challenge was and how to solve it, they wouldn't be talking to us in the first place. So if all we know is what they know and what they think, and we're not validating that through insights and research and data, we're risking throwing all of our eggs in one basket and missing the mark. Listening to our customers is critical, but it's one of the pieces of things that we review and gather and consider in the whole process of what we're, of what we're looking at. Um, we did a whole episode on insights and research, and um, you guys could absolutely go back and listen to that. But you have to take that information into the right context too. Absolutely. I think that goes back to my point around it's really important to be relevant, but sometimes people don't know what they want. My example is if I showed you a hamburger and you've never heard of cheese before, but you would love a cheeseburger, you just don't know it yet, and I never show you that, then you're missing out on that possibility of greatness that you've never even experienced. So you don't even know it. it. It's an option for you. Brands do that all the time by saying, well, we're only going to offer this and we're going to tell them this and this is how it's going to be because that's what they told us they want. But they don't know what's around the corner. There's a lot of times where you grew up and you didn't even know something existed. And then once you found out it existed, you were like, wow, that's awesome. I can't believe I didn't know that was a thing. And so we have to balance that a lot. And I think that the bigger the organization it is, normally the tendency they have to not be surprising. And that is sometimes a shame because they can do amazing things with their budgets and their power and all this other stuff. And sometimes it's that's just the nature of the way that they work. Yeah, if you, if you don't really know who you are in a really authentic, meaningful way that then you can communicate, then how can you be surprising? 
how can you be delightful? How can you be interesting? Yeah. If you choose a, a mission or a story that's so focused on the features and benefits of your product, again, that falls into a sea of sameness, how can you be, how can you be surprising? Let's get into a couple of examples just to frame it up. If someone's not quite understanding at this point, a, a great example, we just got done with rebranding a golf club down in Florida. Lemon Bay, they're a great, great client, awesome to work with. But their example about relevancy, surprise, and authenticity was really like we had, we came into the project saying they felt like they weren't modern. They felt like they weren't doing all they could for their members. They, they felt like there was more to offer, but their members were happy. Their members were super happy. There was no complaints internally. There was no like, wow, our brand's really tired. There was none of that really from a standpoint of everyone's happy to be a member there and we're all good. We're very financially successful. We're fine. But what they wanted to do is kind of start over from the understanding, like we need to sit back and understand who we are. So we dove into their mission. We dissected all of their organization. Like, why do they exist? What are they trying to do here? Where are they going? And the reason they did that is because they were looking ahead yeah. to the next generation yep. of members. Absolutely. And the future success of the club. They're, they weren't just sitting back going, continuing to do the same thing that we've been we've been doing Yep. is what's going to make us successful in the future. So they were motivated to say, what's going to help us long-term? So if we're if we're sitting back and we go, the first step is to, authentic, to really understand who they are and do all this other stuff, the next question became, should we, what should we do? What, what is that direction that we're taking? And we took this path of, we know who we are, but we really need to understand how relevant we need to be and how surprising we need to be. And where we landed was we asked a lot of members through various types of research, did qualitative, quantitative, some surveys, some interviews, really understanding what do they want and what are they not getting today? Then taking a step back and saying, okay, what could we possibly do from a total blue sky perspective? And then matching those up to those, but not being so literal with, I want a new dining room. Well, that's not what we do, but that's great. Thanks for the advice. But what does that mean? Like, why do you want a new dining room? Well, you want your club to be evolving. Well, what, what does that mean? So we dig into some of those things to give them something they're not asking for directly, but that's, that's the value, the core belief underneath that. Does that yeah, make that, sense? Yeah, what that revealed to us was the, well, it not only revealed, but reinforced what we had started to learn was their incredible sense of community. They want a new dining room because they want to spend more time there. Yeah more time together. Absolutely. And for them, it was about how do we evolve the community? How do we, how do we showcase how vibrant our community community is? And we took that to their brand right away and said, that's a great theme. We, we need to use that. And then what the other part, the other side of this project was they didn't want to be like every other club, which is surprise right there, right? If we're, if our members are club, other members at other clubs, we need to make sure we're not just like everybody else. So we took the time and really dove into what are clubs doing locally, nationally, internationally that really resonate with members, figure out what is a great trend and what's a trend that a lot of people are going that we don't necessarily agree with. Some, some of the things that when people zig, we can totally zag on it and that'll surprise people, but we don't want to surprise them in a negative way to say, 
this is not like, I don't even agree with this. Or if we're a golf club, but we start offering tennis lessons and we don't even have a tennis court, that wouldn't make sense. Right. So there's some things that are, would be surprising and they're not relevant enough. We balance those things to figure out what's right and what's wrong. In the end, they came back to their membership with this great rebrand that was all about attracting future members and to say, Hey, we heard everything you say. We've developed this brand to attract the future members based on the core values and the beliefs that you as members have today. So that was our understanding of great relevancy, surprise, authenticity, balance of saying this is not for you because, I mean, just to put it bluntly, you are going to phase out of this organization at some point, but we understand that what you offer us is a great culture and a great value base. And we need to understand how we take that to the next level, to the next more modernized generation. So that's, that's that project really trying to balance those three things. And what happened was, is that people were super happy with it. They, when we presented the logos and we presented the new brand and all that other stuff, there was gasps in the room. They're like, Oh my gosh. And then there was, you know, a round of applause and Oh my God, I can't believe that's this. And we had people come up to us say, I would have never thought, like I would have never thought this club could get to here. That's surprise. That's for us to say, it feels really true to them, but it's still like a breath of fresh air. And, and all of that, we were able to work with them to help, help do that with them yeah. by listening to them and by listening enough to where we could then turn that into us leading them in the direction that they couldn't have gone but we could have only got there by hearing them. Yeah, and most clients get that. Most clients hire us because they want someone who's going to give them something they've never seen before. They want they they want something that they wouldn't come up with on their own. And they get that that's our job. Our job isn't just to listen to them and let them help us paint across the thing, but there are some clients who are really good at that and there's some clients who aren't as good as that. So the second example that I like a lot is a professional sports team that we work with. And they are really trying to understand what they stand for, but what they what they really want the perception to be of their organization. Been all around for a long time. They're trying to figure out, okay, should we be relevant to the fans that have always been here? The lifelong fans, right? The people who are in their 50s and 60s and have been fans for us for that long. Or are we trying to go for the Gen Z, the next generation? And how do we balance those things in that kind of question? And partners, corporate partners. Yeah, they're also, partners. Who, you know, who are they chosen to align with? How much does that factor and weigh in? Yeah. And so when you ask about how relevant we are and how surprising we are, sometimes it's more complex with the golf club analogy. It's really easy because you say, well, we have one membership. We have one audience. This is who we're going for. For a professional sports team, there's a lot more audiences. There's a lot more opinions at play. There's a lot more risk. There's a lot more reward. So it's to figure out what is right, what's going to keep fans that have been lifelong fans still in the game, what's going to keep them really engaged with us, but what's going to make us feel authentic and surprising in ways that the next generation of fans gets us gets really excited about our brand and can kind of buy in on that. Well, and in our early conversations with them, they're missing on all three of these components. Initially, yes. Correct. Yeah. Which is why they're doing the work. Exactly. And, they, and they realize that they had an opportunity to improve on these. I don't know how much we want to get into the weeds, but they defined this 
as three words. Yeah. They called it their brand essence. And we use the same term within the brand foundation work that we do. It's like, yeah. what, what do you as a brand stand for? And they've chosen to use three words to define what that is. And what was interesting was when they presented and shared this with us in the first place, some of the sidebar conversations that came out as, as they were walking us through this. And one of those conversations was that the league that they belong to also has three words. And some of the league's words, essence words, and mm-hmm. this team's words were the same. Yep. And some were very different. And I can't remember if that was mandated or a coincidence. Well, the league helped them create them. So there's a little like the we did it like this and they go, well, we agree about that. And that's totally fair. And it worked for a long time and they've been using it for a long time. And so looking forward, the conversation turns into these three words. They they represent our experiences. They're representing what we're trying to do in the marketplace. And they're representing how we want people to think of us, really. Are those supposed to be words that resonate with our internal team? Are they supposed to be words that resonate with our customers? They're supposed to be the ones that resonate with our partners. How does this work? Ideally, they resonate with all of them. That's the goal. And what we have kind of approached it by saying, it's absolutely imperative for this to resonate with you first. The way that you roll out your brand, for your team to be using it on a day-to-day basis, for you to come to the table and say, this is who we are. If that's not true, that makes it really hard to do your job and do it really well. I mean, if you think about the best creative in the world, the best brands in the world, the best copywriting in the world. It's all really based on people being themselves and saying this is the internal inspiration that really gets them going. They had two two questions they brought up or two, two parts of our conversation. One was them directly asking us, do you guys think um, if this is our external perception of how we want to be perceived, be perceived, what are the what's the internal version of this? Yeah. And then the other question they brought up or the the comment that they shared was that with their current three words, their goal was that everything that they do externally should align with two of the three words. And so right off the bat, um in our you know you and I yeah, we're kind of looking <laughs> at each other across the table because our our belief is that that these perception words should 100% align internally just as much as they align yep, externally. They should be the same This words. is what you stand for. Yeah. There, it isn't, a, there's no separation. That's what, if it is authentic, then it's both. It's internal and external. And that if you're going to choose three words, then everything that you do should be represented by all three of those words every time. Not, yep. not 60%. Yeah, sometimes. Of your essence. And I think that's hard. I think there's also this balance of people who want to get stuff done and it's easier to get stuff done if it's just like, let's tailor these to exactly what we want to get done and just get it done. And there's, and the, it's a really hard work. The authenticity piece is really hard. If you, if you have it, if you're really interested in the authenticity piece, go back to episode 26. We talk a lot about it. It's really, tr- it's really tricky because it's, it's being honest with yourself and saying, this is who we are. We don't care right now what the other people say or think. It's really exactly what we value and what we believe. And that conversation, especially for salespeople, especially for marketing people, especially for the people in charge of making sure that external people like them, that's a hard conversation. Um, and we totally get that. And it's and it's not like we take that for granted when we you know go in there and we whatever. 
but it's um, a part of this is really to figure out who you are and then go down the path of saying, well, who do our customers need us to be? And we've done that with them it's to say, okay, now we need to do interviews and now we need to do surveys and now we need to figure out who we are versus what they need us to be, figure out the, the bridge between those and then what can we do that's really surprising in that same realm? And that's the balance that we led this yep. out, that the, the conversation with. Exactly. One more, one more example. Quick one. A really quick one. Yep. We're working with a manufacturing company that internally, in trying to get to their essence, to, to try to understand how to help them move forward from this stuck position that they're in, in not having a, a story that's engaging or engaging the customers or the potential employees that they want. And in one of our meetings with them, one of the most, well, two couple things that rose to the top that were really interesting to me is one was the incredible passion that this organization's people has for the organization and for what they belong to. Incredibly, so they don't have a culture problem at all. But the problem came with, the types of, well, the lack of clarity in the vision of what it was that they do and stand for. And I'm, done, I'm, I'm kind of whittling this down, but what, what the, one of the primary problems that they're running into is the type of projects that the salespeople are landing and bringing in is actually disrupting the internal processes of production of delivering what it is that they do. In the belief of what we do, right? And that's where they the got second, stuck. The second part. It's, yep. it's different for people, especially in manufacturing. It's a totally different realm. But to say, well, we're going to sell things that mess up our process, our internal manufacturing process. That's what it is. But for them, that was like, I can get over that hump. But there's people who are, not only does that bother me a little bit, what bothers me more is we're bringing in projects that aren't what we want. So how how can I sit here and be like, yep, I totally get it. Let's... Let's take this, let's take this project in, let's make sure that it gets done. And I totally understand that. But how can I do that if if you're telling me that those aren't the type of projects that everyone here wants to work on? And that's where the tricky part was for them. And so we've been working with them about how do we say what we do and who we do it for in a way that's authentic for us and can get everyone on the same page and really excited to do that kind of stuff and get salespeople on the same page too, to say, I, and most of the salespeople are like, I don't want to mess with anybody. I don't want to bring anything bad in that no one wants to do, but I was never told that. Right. So there's this level of communication that needs to happen. There's also the level of definition that needs to happen. Right. And so if we zoom out and get out of the examples realm and really say how are what are red flags here like in what ways can we be more understanding on what what things happen and we can sit back and go oh we might need to listen more we might need to lead more and i put a couple of these together just push back if you don't believe in any of them but red flags that you need more customer leading as in you are listening way too much and you're only taking their examples for heart and not changing at all is we see a lot of me too creative or I saw someone else do that and a lot of people liked it. So then we just did it. A lot of me too stances. There's a lot of like, this is popular right now with our customer base and they believe in this. No matter what, if we believe in it or not, we're just going to start believing in it. Our our competition's doing something that's apparently successful for them. So whether we believe it or not, or we're just going to do, do it. We're just going to do the same yeah. thing. 
Another one is internal frustration with building out campaigns, creative stance. If the professional sports team we work with, if they're doing a yearly campaign and it's really hard to do that campaign because people push back and people don't understand it and it just doesn't make sense and this doesn't, there might be a, a problem with authenticity. There might be a problem with you're not being yourself and doing what you say you're going to do. You're listening way too much and you're not leading the customer where you want them to go. Yeah. You're lacking direction, clarity, some, anything that's going to actually be effective and resonate. Yep. Another red flag would be everything feels generic or you guys have put out the same stuff year after year after year. It starts feeling really generic. It feels really boring. It feels like it's just there's not a lot of effort here. It's like copy and paste and you're just not nothing is changing, which is totally fine for some people. But for most people, they get a little tired of that. They just go, OK, well, is what it is. And so that could be relevant and it could be authentic to who you are as a company. But now you're missing the surprise yeah, component. Exactly. And then the last one that we see is that you're afraid that audiences are aging out of your brand. That's a big problem with a lot of people and they don't quite know how to attack that yet but to say well we have an audience base that's aging out who are we going to be for what are we going to do what is all these other things there's a little bit of soul searching that needs to go in there and say well what do we want to be and what do we want to do and then in what ways can then we find that audience that agrees with that and latches onto that we've been uh we're spending a lot of time right now looking at gen z yeah, a lot. Uh, they're the next generation of buyers, consumers, fans, members, etc. Yeah. And their motivations and values might be different than your well, they are different than yeah. your baby boomer generation X millennials, uh, yeah. And millennials. And which kind of pivots us to this next section of customer listening is finding out what's going on. So what are what are the top two or three red flags of... Yeah, if you're going to limit it to a few, it's to say that your customer awareness and confusion is pretty high. To say that people don't really understand what we do. We put a lot of things out into the marketplace and there's really not a lot of clarity of what that is. That means we're probably not listening to our customers enough and we're not being clear and saying, oh, well, we're doing this and this is how it all works. There's a lot of brand fragmentation. We work with clients on this pretty frequently. Basically what that means is inconsistencies across the board to say, oh, well, we go down this direction, then we go down this direction, we go down this direction, and we have this stance and that stance and this stance, and you know, we believe in this, 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 and this, and those are all conflicting things that don't really tie together. We basically are telling a story that goes in a million different paths that we don't, you know, it's hard to follow. Yeah, we're throwing darts. We're throwing darts all over the board and basically. just waiting to see which one of the hundred you know, yep. sticks to something. We have a we have a couple of brands that we've worked with in the past that just go, what about this opportunity? And what about that opportunity? What about this opportunity? And they start just going down them without understanding if that's relevant to them or if it's relevant to their customers. And they just go, I think it's a good opportunity, so I'm just going to go. They're leading without the informed basis on that. Yeah, it reminds me of, well, I mean, it's how I started this business, which was the wrong way. It was me saying, <laughs> I'm a creative, I'm going to start a creative firm. I'm going to hang a sign out on the sidewalk and people are just going to want creative Yeah. versus identifying that there was a need in the market and that there was a customer base looking for creative to solve some sort of problem that then I could serve them with or serve up to them or talk to them in that way. 
I got lucky that it, you know, <laughs> that it, in the long term we figured some stuff along the way that worked. Yeah. But with enough blood, sweat, and tears, right. it works out. So, um, and the purpose of this conversation today is to help people that are listening to do it better, smarter, and faster. But just be more aware, right? Mistakes. Just be yeah. more aware on what things work, what things don't work, and then don't be surprised when it doesn't work if you haven't done these three things. If it's not true to you, it's not true to your customer, and it's not going to really be different in the marketplace, then probably isn't a great opportunity or a great lead. Uh, the last one I would say for this, if you're not listening enough, what can sometimes happen is audiences get burnt out from your brand going in so many different directions. If you come out with every six months a whole new stance, a whole new position, a whole new social social justice movement that you're attaching yourself to, it can be a little bit fatiguing. It can be a little bit like, okay, so now they stand for this. Okay, sounds good. And now you stand for this and that's great, but I thought you stood for this. And so there's a little bit of like, you can only move so fast with some of these things that I would just be aware of. So basically what you're saying is that the brand and its strategy needs to be guided by a balance of both leading your customers and listening to your customers. Yeah, absolutely. And if we go back to the surprise, authenticity, and relevance, the hardest one, I think, for most organizations is surprise. It's the hardest because it's you have to be uncomfortable with taking that leap of faith. You, you have to be uncomfortable, but you still have to do it and going down this route that could be unproven or foggy or you might not know. You, you just don't have the validation that you would want for some of those things. And that's really hard. The second hardest out of the three is absolutely authenticity. Deciding what you stand for and what your story is and wh why why that's true to you is a lot harder than a lot of people think it is because it's easy for a lot of people to get caught up in well, what we do as a business is we sell this to these people. Why don't we just do exactly what they say? And it's easy to get caught up in that and not be authentic to, well, then this is why we're doing it and this is how it actually works for us. I would make the case that authenticity is the hardest. I think standing back and taking that hard metaphorical look in the mirror and going, all right, what are we actually really about? And do can it be. like that's some deep, that can be some really deep, really fulfilling work. But I think that's the one that most people just want to glance over and say, uh, we make this stuff. We do this. This is what we do. This yeah. is, uh, you know, and they just charge on forward and then they grind their wheels and bang their heads on trying to be surprising, but then in a relevant way with no authentic base. That's fair. What so. do you mean? I don't know who I am. Well, this is who I am. You're looking at me. So I think I think that can be incredibly hard. And I agreed surprise is if you weren't relevant, you wouldn't be in business. So I think I think a lot of people put relevancy at the top of the list. And I'm totally fine with saying that's super important. If you're not relevant, you don't have a business. I totally get that. But what's the most difficult for people is different. It's a different conversation than what's the most important. And when we're in those conversations, at least in the in the meetings I've been in and the uh, projects that I've worked on and helped people with, it's it's surprise that really throws some people off. Is going in a different direction than everybody else. If you're a, a professional sports team in a league where everyone in the league is going this direction, and we're saying, "Hey, there's a really good opportunity to go in this direction," but fans haven't said that that's exactly what they want, it's a really hard thing to convince. 
not only to convince you as a client to do that, because that's not as difficult as you then convincing everyone else at your company that you have to do that too, is, is just, it's hard. Of course it's hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, for sure. Everyone would have a podcast about it. (laughs) (laughs) How can this be solved in ways that gets people a little bit farther forward, right? If we're going to frame it up to here's all the problems, good luck and solve it. We got a little bit into it when we did the examples, but it's to really put around um, parameters on how you're going to do these three things. So if you're going to be authentic every year, it's to review who you are, what you stand for, what your guiding principles are, what the culture is, what your core values are. Putting all that on the wall and reviewing those can be really helpful, especially for large organizations. Like There are plenty of times where, where we get into the conversation around culture and they say, I kind of wish we just had a yearly full company meeting where we talked about here's who we are, here's where we're going. We're not talking about customers at all. We're just talking about ourselves. That's a great opportunity to check in, make sure everybody knows that like here's here's what our authentic us looks like. We met with um, one of the companies we're working with said that while they believe their owner has a vision for the company, they haven't had that type of like team gathering meeting since prior to COVID. Yeah, open dialogue on those things is incredibly helpful for a lot of people. People are dying to know what what we're about and to understand so that they can help you be relevant and surprising and distinct and different and all these great attributes. But it starts with with that. And it's not only in a marketing world too, right? I think a lot of people look at what we do and they say, this is marketing. It's like, yeah, that's true. But that conversation helps HR a lot. It helps hiring a lot. It helps innovation a lot to say, we need to be doing R&D on these things and we need you to be inspired because of this is who we are and we need products that revolve around that. The other thing that you can do around relevancy is to do more customer insights. It's consumer insights and customer insights incredibly helpful for understanding, putting your finger on a pulse on what what are we doing here Is it relevant to everybody? Do people agree with it? Is there anything that we should know? Yearly consumer insights would be super helpful for you. I know some of our customers want to do quarterly insights to say, okay, what about this quarter? Are we doing a good job and doing those things? Can be as easy as just doing a quarterly survey. It can be as intense as doing interviews every year. So it's to figure out how do you get feedback from outside the walls of your organization that give you the understanding that you are on the right track in some way, shape or form. And then surprise, this is, that's why I say it's the hardest one. It's like, what can you do about that? It's really cliche, but it's to think differently about what you do. It's to do some assumption reversals to say, we've always done it like this. How can we do it like this? And we've always approached this problem like this. What if we put that and flip it all the way upside down and go in this other direction and surprise can be really hard for a lot of people. But if it's really what needs to happen to be successful in your organization, then I think a lot of people will gravitate towards we need to do something different. And how do we do something different? That's putting the processes in place that allow for being a little fearless, being a little different and being yourself, but also being something that your consumers don't know that they want yet. But starting with focusing on who you are, why why you're in this in the first place, yeah. I think will help lead to some of those pieces. You mentioned the assumption reversal. It's a great exercise just saying, if this is what everybody's doing, what's the opposite? And it's not that we're going to do the opposite, 
but it opens your mind up to thinking about yeah. it in a completely different way. Yeah. And I think in order, if you do the authenticity work and that then makes you relevant because you understand who your customers are, that will help you then be able to be surprising. I think that you are right on the nose, but it's all about being brave, right? It's all about, it's being brave in all facets. It's being brave to admit that you don't know everything and you need more relevancy insights from your consumers. It's being brave and being yourself, even though you're not sure if yourself is exactly what everyone wants. And it's being brave in being different and being okay with being the only one on the block going a different direction. And if you're brave, it's going to be a lot easier for you to hit these three marks. So don't forget to be brave. Perfect. Until next time. Thank you. Susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark, guiding marketing leaders who are working to make their brand communicate better, stand out, and engage audiences to grow their business. For more on Susner, visit susner.com. Thank you.